Hello fellow time travelers, Tony Witt here. What you're about to hear is the edited audio of our unedited Facebook Live episode, which we recorded on April 5th, 2017. The reason why I bring this up is because you will, at several points during this episode, even though it is edited, hear references to the camera going out, or to people popping in and us greeting them. There is also an unscheduled cameo from Danny Celadon, who was in our first two episodes. He is watching on Facebook at the very end, though he doesn't actually appear. And also... At one point, you're going to hear me refer to the next day being April 6th, 1970. Obviously, it is not April 6th, 1970, which would be 47 years and one day ago, as I'm recording this. It is instead, of course, April 6th, 2017. And that reference will become clear as you listen to this recording. By the way, if you want to see that video then you should check out our Facebook page, because it is there. The version that is going to be going up on YouTube is also going to be slightly edited, because the sound quality is just, well, awful. So, without further ado, here is our episode about the Sensorites. We warned you, we really did. Hello time travelers and welcome back to the Doctor Who Target Book Club, the podcast in which we undertake the tremendous task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and today we have again our three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. There's also our intermediate-level casual fan who's seen several episodes but has not previously read any of the books until these podcasts, and this time it's none other than Dalton Hughes. Hello, Dalton. Hi, guys. Who's been waving like a maniac for all this time. I mean, that's what video is for. That's what video is for. And finally, (laughs) we welcome back the novice fan who's seen little to none of the original series still and has previously read only a few of the books up until this podcast, the always lovely Sheena Annapera. Sheena, we are around her dinner table right now, and those of you watching us on Facebook can see us all as we check our phones and drink fruity beverages and so on. Listeners, Sheena, Dalton, Mm -hmm. tomorrow is April 6th, 1970, and I will be celebrating my 47th birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy early birthday. This upsets me for two reasons. One... I will no longer be 46, even though 46 was kind of a drag, apart from starting this podcast, which I think uh, I would say has been a good thing. So thank you for that. Two, I'm spending my last night at 46 discussing Doctor Who, the Sensorites. (laughs) The Sensorites, the penultimate story of Doctor Who season one. The Sensorites, the one oozing sore on the ass of the first season of Doctor Who. (laughs) The Sensorites, the prolapsed anus, if you will, of the Hartnell era. Now, that's not quite true, because there are other stories that are pretty bad. Can you tell I don't like the Sensorites? 
I can see why. Yeah, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of the sense rights. Oh, well, at least it's not the Space Museum. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, we'll get there. I'll make sure you two are on the podcast when we get to the Space Museum because you have no idea. All right, without further ado, here are some fast facts. Doctor Who, The Sensorites, adapted by Nigel Robinson from the script by Peter R. Newman that aired from 62064 to 8164, published by Target Books in 1987 as of this recording in April of 2017. This title is currently out of print, but is available as an unabridged audiobook from BBC Audio, 143 pages. You'll notice I didn't say mercifully out of print. I could have, except the book is to some degree better than the televised version. Um, A few things to talk about first. The DVD of this story has a lovely little documentary about Peter R. Newman, the uh, original author of the story, whom very little was known about, to the point that people thought he was some sort of uh, mythical creature like Santa Claus or Jesus Christ. Um, oh, that's awful. No, no. <laughs> we all, sorry, we all know that Santa Claus isn't mythical. Um, <laughs> it really is worth watching this documentary. Because far more, more, far more so than the televised version of the story that's on the DVD, it's actually better to watch the documentary because you find out some interesting things about him. Nothing was really known about him until that documentary was produced, except that he'd done a movie for Hammer Films, which was better known for, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, all those movies in the 50s, okay. called Yesterday's Enemy which was about British war atrocities in World War II. It was not a popular subject. And it got him a load of acclaim. So much acclaim, in fact, that he priced himself out of the market for Hammer scripts. And they said, oh, you want too much for this. We're not going to give you that much money. So he went on to write Doctor Who. Um, It was also believed he died twice (laughs) because there were two dates of death for him, 1969, 1975. It turned out it was 75. He fell down a flight of stairs and suffered a hemorrhage by hitting his head on a radiator. Uh, after working as a porter at Tate Gallery, because he had a huge problem with writer's block after doing this Doctor Who episode. And yeah, I know, uh, right? Two after, stories. After all things. Yes, two stories. Two okay. scripts. Well, one play and two scripts, all basically about the same themes. And then he hit writer's block, became a uh, porter at the Tate Gallery, tried to continue writing. It didn't work. Fell down the stairs in 75, hit his head. Very sad. Needless to say, it's a sort of story that almost makes me feel bad about all the ripping I'm about to do on the original story. Almost. Nigel Robinson, we've talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. Sheena, you were not along for the Edge of Destruction no. podcast, but uh, Nigel Robinson was very kind to me once in the past when I uh, mailed him a letter asking if I could adapt some Doctor Who scripts when I was 15. And he said, no, but thank you for your interest. But it was very nice. We haven't talked about he himself and how he got the job um our main bible for this podcast is the target book by david howell and that tells us that uh robinson's first book was published not long after he left university in 1981 and he took over the editorship of the range from 1984 until 1987 this one was published in july of that year so what happened was he was kind of afraid that his bosses would turn him down if he said i want to write one of the books and then when he went to his bosses, he was deciding to leave and said, can I hire myself for this? 
His boss said, I'm surprised you didn't ask long before. Hmm. So this is the first of four that he did. Edge of Destruction was actually the fourth and last one he yeah. did. So he polished things by then. We'll be getting two more from him before we're done. He also went on to write Doctor Who novels in the 90s, including one I just can't stand. I'm sorry, Nigel. I hate Time Worm uh, Apocalypse. I think that's the one. I think. Yeah. It's not Revelations. That's Paul Cornell, and I love that one. Yeah, it's... Yeah. He wrote novelizations of the Tomorrow People, the 90s one from Australia, not the good one, uh, and not that abomination that was on WB or CW or whatever the hell it's called these days, just a little while ago. Um, he also wrote novelizations of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. He wrote novelizations of Baywatch. Bear in mind that we live in a world where there are novelizations of Baywatch. I didn't know that existed. I didn't either. I can just imagine his stock description of Pamela Sue Anderson. It's like, he looked across the beach and saw a pair of boobs coming towards him. (laughs) Then he realized they were connected to a woman. (laughs) I can just see that. He also novelized the movie Free Willy. So there are plenty of jokes to be had about that. As much as we can tell from Edge in this book, his approach was always to try to add as much as he could to the televised story. Except when he couldn't. Even with the additional page counts that the writers had by the late 80s, which is why this book, which I'll pass around, is so long. It's uh, fairly long compared to the others. Yeah, 150. Yeah, so it's it's there. It's funny, that says Earth on the side of this ship. Yes, it does. (laughs) They painted it. Earth. Earth. We come from Earth. It's like, okay, fine. Also, that scene that I talked about a few weeks ago in which all the characters are recalling all their previous adventures. Yeah. It's from this story. I don't know why I thought it was from the story that I said that it was in. Hmm. But I, yeah. So listeners, I apologize. Though you of course, read everything real fast, probably. That's yeah, why. I yeah. think that's it. Within that, a short period of time. Yeah, and I watched the stories, too, yeah. so that's yeah. the problem. It'll all get yeah. mixed in. But none of our readers actually wrote in to tell me any different. So, huh. <laughs> 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 all right. The blurb on the back. The TARDIS materializes on board a dark and silent spaceship. As the Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara penetrate the craft's eerie gloom, they come across what appear to be the bodies of two dead astronauts, but the astronauts are far from dead, thanks for ruining it, and are living in mortal fear of the Sensorites, a race of telepathic creatures from the Sense Sphere. Try saying that five times. Sense Sphere. Sense Sphere, Sense Sphere, Sense Sphere. When the lock of the TARDIS is stolen, the Doctor is forced into an uneasy alliance with the aliens, and when he arrives on the Sensorites planet, he discovers that it is not only the humans who have cause to be afraid. Oh no. Bum bum. Bum bum bum. bum, bum, bum. That's probably the most exactly. exciting thing. Yes. Camera shake. <laughs> exactly. Well, first impressions. Sheena, what were your first impressions of this glistening jewel of a story? Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. it's, I mean, it's just a story, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't anything that was too spectacular or and I'm that, so, I'm so sorry. or that like exciting or anything. I mean, it was a story. It played more like a, um. Like a like how a TV show would just be though, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, I can see how it'd make a good TV show, but it wasn't a good book. That's what I would say. I can see that. I, the sensorites were probably the most exciting thing of the whole thing. 
Oh, um, there were some okay parts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there were some okay parts, but it was just kind of meh. Oh, okay. And yeah. you're so looking forward to this because it was the science fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is so, so not science fiction -y. No, it really isn't. It's a verb. That's the weird thing about Well, let me ask you about that. Why did you feel that it wasn't particularly science fiction? Um, Because there was no real... Uh, the Ascensorites are like a race of people who are like telepathic, but they have no real like machinery or like engineering capabilities. So that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, they're just a race of people that... It was just... The story was predictable. So that's probably why I didn't find it that well, interesting. Well, it was... It was confusing in that yeah. they have those little tennis racket things mm -hmm. that can fucking cut, excuse me, yeah. they cut That's the right. lock off of the A door. TARDIS. Yeah. Right. They also have those ray guns that they give to the Doctor and Ian yes. later yeah. in the story. Yeah. And the disintegrator ray. But they have no way of being able to tell that their water or why is, is poison they said they had no how it's yeah, poison. they had no chemistry yeah they had no sense of what how chemistry worked yeah it's like how can you not know how chemistry mm. works well i mean i just feel like most most things in science ships. depend on each other you know yeah. so like how do you have ray guns and fancy tennis racket things without working yeah. knowledge of chemistry or crystal water or crystal water. Or that. Or crystal light um, or whatever it yeah. is they call the damn light. stuff crystal, yeah. let's give you some crystal lights <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were kind of like a civilization of people that, um, they were kind of like the Mayans as they had like aqueducts and stuff, mm -hmm. but then they had slight sophistication, but then they ruled by a weird caste system. So mm -hmm. yeah. it was all muddled in with each other, yeah. which was odd. Except we think this, uh, the sensorites probably have the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. was it the Mayans or the uh, Aztecs? It was the Aztecs, wasn't it? That didn't actually have the wheel. I think so. Yeah. Because I think they touched on that when we... They did. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's that. In fact, we should just unpack the sensorites themselves as much as we can first, because that's my biggest problem with the story. These so-called aliens who have a civilization that makes no damn sense. Yeah. Who have biology that makes no damn sense. That have a system of government that makes no damn sense. And that's mainly, well, you sound like you had something I was just going to gonna say. say it's all, it all exists clearly for the story yeah. that they are trying yeah. to Yeah, I mean, tell. why do they look mm -hmm. the way they look? There's no adaptions they would need for any sort of, like, the fact that they don't like the dark. Like, yeah. other than the fact that their eyes were all black. I mean, like, why did they have disc feet? You know what I mean? No like, what was the point of that? Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't figure that out either. It's the disc feet got me the most, I think. Yeah, well. because they look ridiculous on screen. You saw yeah, those we, episodes I showed I, I cheated. I actually saw a couple of the episodes before <laughs> reading it. Only um, three. Yeah, I saw... So you saw the best of it. Yeah. Ooh. But, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of just... Huh? I just, I mean, what? on a planet that's... So much like supposedly like Earth. Why do you have all these adaptions that make no sense? Yeah, you especially know? evolving without eyelids. Yeah, what I, would be the I, point? they said something about the nose, which makes sense. But what what about the eyelids? Mm -hmm. Like, do they sleep? Apparently not. And if they do, they see everything. Maybe yeah. that's what what's his name meant about to see all the time is yeah. not a good. And thing. And the fact yeah. that they can't hear anything loud. Yeah. It's like, well, then maybe you just deserve to be wiped out for all of your. <laughs> 
for all yeah. of your precious metals. Like, oh, exactly. How did they well, not get wiped out in the past? Natural I predators guess, or something. I guess if anything, it just goes to show that temperance, you know, is a good thing because it doesn't allow you to be uh, controlled by three men hiding yeah. in a cave, yeah. poisoning you with nightshade yeah. of all things. <laughs> like, where did that We come have to from? plant this and let it grow like, and then let it, it get into from? your water supply <laughs> and then yeah. hope that like, you get sick it, enough like, and your whole species dies. Yeah. What? Yeah, I didn't get that either. <laughs> That'll probably be on my worst uh, line or worst thought ever. Oh, it's yeah. a nightshade. Absolutely. Deadly nightshade. Deadly like, nightshade. What did you get it from? Yeah. It grows on the planet. It's atropine poisoning. That could only be the deadly nightshade. That's like, oh, for God's sake. You couldn't have made really? up a plan? No. <laughs> that, of course not. The... Because the doctor needs to know. Yeah. And probably the science part of yeah. the show yeah. and how you cure poisons i don't know what they were teaching kids on the bbc in 1964 <laughs> they were teaching them some weird ass shit though oh huh, weird ass crap uh, never mind sorry. never mind we're gonna swear all the way through this one yeah it's the only way to survive probably <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's just so bizarre to me that no no eyelids for one thing and i'm still stuck on that i apologize but the biggest thing is that they look so alike that they cannot tell each other apart without their badges of yeah. office. How does that environment work? How does that society? Yeah. How has nothing like this happened yeah. before? Yes, because obviously they're not a perfect society. In fact, that's one of the things that's praised about this story is that they're in shades of gray. You've yeah. got the, the administrator. And where did this guy pop up from? Yeah. I mean, what sort of... I mean, he's like Tagana all over again. Or he's like, um, well, uh, Aztecs... Uh, Tlotoxel. Yeah. But Tlotoxel had motivations. Tigana had motivations. This guy's like, ah, I don't trust Earthmen. I'm going to kill them. Because they want our stuff. Yeah, because they want our stuff. It's like, oh, okay, I can kind of... Well, that, at least, that motivation made some sense. That makes sense. But that's the only motivation he has. Yeah. Even when presented with solid evidence of the opposite being the case, it's almost as if he's been, you know, elected president or something. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And there we lost our one viewer. Oh, sorry. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. But thank you for sticking with us because, oh my lord. Yeah, kind of crazy. Except if you think about that whole Peter R. Newman thing, the fact that, and I didn't mention this, the fact that he himself was a prisoner of war of the Japanese during World War II. And then came home and wrote a play about British war atrocities against the Japanese. In fact, very much a situation like those soldiers, not soldiers, the people in the cave are doing against the Censorites. So he's mining the same territory. And if you look at it that way, it's like, oh, of course that's what they're doing. They're trying to destroy them from within. Which is not the most efficient way to do it. Not in the least bit. No. Oh, it's just kind of awful. In fact, one of my questions was, yesterday's enemy was a story about British soldiers trapped behind enemy lines. By the way, folks, that's not someone trying to get in. That's Chicago weather for you. It's sensorites. Yes, it's a sensorites. <laughs> but they wouldn't be out in this because yeah, they can't stand loud noises no. and the dark. Uh, British soldiers trapped behind enemy lines and doing things they would otherwise not be proud of. Is there a parallel in this story? And the answer is... Obviously. Yeah, like you said, Shane, it's kind of predictable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Very. Yeah. Much so. Why was it, uh, what parts did you think were particularly predictable? Try saying that five times. Um, the parts that I thought were very predictable were pretty much everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Saw it all coming. Yeah. It's like, I just knew that like, okay, they get to plan. Okay. They get to, the whole thing was just predictable. Just like the fact that, (sighs) That there's guys inside of the water duct. Like, I knew that was going to be the people that had left but didn't really leave. Yeah. I knew that. Like it's telegraphed Yeah, and um, just everything. The fact that the administrator was going to um, try to take over the second-in-command's mm. position. And it's just every... I, I can't say one part that I didn't find predictable, actually. <laughs> um yeah, this kind of. Well, I was thrown for a loop maybe a couple times only because I was like, oh, why did you go there? But mm-hmm. then that was the only reason why. Really. Right, exactly. But the I, I mean, everything that I read was like I was just reading and I'm like, okay, like let's get to it already. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it was extremely predictable. Yeah. What about those uh, first few chapters where you did not know who the Sensorites were or why they. I thought they were going to be actually something to be like afraid of, but they're not. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, kind of, yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe because I'm used to like more of a, a menacing aspect. Mm-hmm. And they were like totally unmenacing except for the one dude who had a problem. Yeah. You and know? that's how they're presented at first, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you... Especially with the way they look, you know what I mean? <coughs> like the way they look, I'm thinking like, oh my God, they got like long heads and, and yeah. circled feet. And except they, they don't. have no eyelids and... Yeah, I didn't expect it to look like that. Yeah, either. they look pretty dumb. They yeah. look like old men. Yeah. That illustration looks better than they look yeah. on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. They don't have nearly that much facial hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, they don't. Having having seen the, the episodes before starting reading, um, I will say that the book does a better job of giving you this foreboding feeling when they're on mm-hmm. the ship. Um, on the series... It's all really confined. It's all really close. We t- discussed like mm-hmm. when they uh, exit the TARDIS, it's in the exact same room right there. as the two astronauts they find. But in the book, they describe it more as being like down a hall. Mm-hmm. So there's more like unknown. Um, and on the the TV show, when they come and steal the lock, it's like they're, <laughs> they're right there, right off screen. <laughs> Barbara says, I can smell something burning. I'm not going to yeah. look over there, though, because that's where they're working. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, odd. Unusual. <clears throat> but yeah, the book does a better job of, of making it seem more foreboding, making it seem more, oh no, what's going to happen? Even with um, with Barbara and Susan when they are in the separate part of the ship with John. Mm-hmm. And even the way he was coming after them was more suspenseful. It yes. was more like, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? Is he a friend? Is he an enemy? Has he been like completely taken over? Mm-hmm. Um, what's left of him? Right. You know, what's what's left of his brain? But um, yeah, so now I'm curious to see the way the rest of it plays out on screen. Well, this but. is something I've said before. I love the way Nigel Robinson writes Barbara. Yes, she comes off beautifully in this book. Unfortunately, she's gone for episodes uh, three and four because Jackie Hill had to go off on vacation damn jackie hill anyway yeah <laughs> no she, yeah she went off on vacation so barbara isn't there but when barbara is there she's being motherly towards uh, oh, john yeah. she's treating him like one of her students she's i love more that i really love whenever she finally comes down to the planet and she's like, like what the hell's going on guys mm-hmm. like what is, what are we doing yeah 
So, exactly. Um, Which I think is great. And yeah, she's like, and what was his description? He, she, he said something along the lines of she come, she came down, and it didn't take her long to catch up because obviously everything's predictable. Yeah. And immediately got the sense of it. It's like, of course she did because she has a brain. They took the one character that seems to have a brain Barbara? in this story, yeah, and they left her up on the ship. <laughs> well, yeah. they have to give other well, people they, a chance yeah, to figure yeah. things out. Yeah. Susan had to figure herself out. Oh, God. Yeah, we have to get to that, <laughs> don't we? We have to talk about this weird sort of two steps forward in her maturation process, and then the next story it's going to be one step back, and then we get one more story where she's just kind of, eh, and then she's gone. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no spoilers or anything, but she. I mean, I don't know what happens to her. She was super cool in the story, though. Okay. She had so? like telepathy and stuff, and yeah. used her mind powers, so that was pretty cool. But she only has here for some reason. Yeah. Still don't see how she's the doctor's granddaughter. <laughs> well, I, I have a few theories about that. <clears throat> He's she's not. Well, actually. There is one fan theory that says she isn't. I know. I don't think much of that either, doggy. <laughs> um, the fan theory that says that she isn't says that none of the current day Gallifreyans um, reproduce naturally, even though the new series shows that they do. Yeah. And that the Doctor actually traveled into Gallifrey's past, and he is the reincarnation of her grandfather. So she recognized him as her grandfather. He didn't uh. recognize her as such. And there's that. I have never, I've never thought much of that. It's just smacks of you know this whole thing of not it's wanting the doctor to have a sex life. Kind of creepy. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Even though the idea of the time lords looming themselves out of uh, genetic matter is kind of a cool one. Yeah, it makes them actually alien. Yeah. But no, in the new series they have families. Bizarre families, but they well, have. Why families. would they be? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I could see him being sexual, but I wouldn't see him having a family because he's, like, traveling throughout space. Well, now he is, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and then he'd be, like, super sad about not being home. Well, I think of it this way. Time Lords seem to have lives because they're able to regenerate 12 times. Is it 12 times? 12 times. Um, Or at least it used to be. Thank you, Peter Capaldi. I was going to say, yeah. 12 times. And what they do is if they decide to have a home life, they choose one of their incarnations to do that and then after that incarnation is over they might continue that family life or they don't yeah that's great that them a lot of time to have a family yeah. yeah it does and in fact you get that line of david Tennant's to rose saying i was a dad once and he does it offhandedly and she's like what and he thinks nothing of it because this is the dad that hartnell was when he was a dad and had a family but decided to leave gallifrey and become whatever it is he is now itinerant adventurer liar extraordinaire controller of the weather (laughs) (laughs) those are like shaking out of control yeah it really is but susan Mm. you're right susan does have a lot more to do in this book yeah and finding herself she is and it's kind of nice though because yeah i know yes if she's the teenage stand-in character for most of the audience then that's kind of what the audience is looking at they're looking at this sort of situation yeah my theory is that either Susan actually is the age she appears to be, which is 15, which would be an infant by oh, Gallifreyan yeah. standards. Which is harsh for me calling her stupid. Yeah, it but. is. Or, or, 
she could be stupid. There could be some... Uh, how to do this tactfully and PC-wise. Don't bother. Yeah. there's There might be some mental deficiency there. She might be special. <laughs> Maybe she's not special. Maybe she's just like, you know, like on this trip with her grandfather... And, you know, I mean, she hasn't had the ability to, like, be a normal kid from wherever she's from. So these feelings are just things that she's getting slowly because mm-hmm. now she sees, like, Barbara and, mm-hmm. you know, and the older, you know, all of the older people are grouping up and she's just here with her grandfather, like. Yeah, it could ew. be that. You know what I mean? She, she may not she's have like, gone to. She's probably mentally stunted in the fact of having, like, a normal Mm, that's quote true. unquote normal, you know, life in that sense. So she hasn't gone to the Time yeah, Lord Academy. Yeah, she, yeah, she hasn't, hasn't done anything yeah. a Galfrey and young woman would do. Yeah, that that's makes true. sense. It's kind of like that's, being yeah. a woman and not having a mom, sort of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you wouldn't because, know like all the things you would know if you had a mom. Yeah, because we never find out what actually happens to the doctor's wife, to the doctor's daughter, granddaughter. No daughter or son or whoever it is that is the actual parents yeah. of Susan. So, yeah, it's kind of an open question, and none of the books really address it. The books do go back and forth about whether or not she's actually that age or whether yeah. she's a time lady, which means she would actually be about 80 or 90 by the time. One of the audio dramas does that. Carol Ann Ford, uh, who is the actress who plays Susan, Actually, in that audio drama, says something about Ian and Barbara and says, they didn't realize that I was older than both of them combined by that point. And it's like, then why didn't you act it? It's like, because Galfrians don't. That's, yeah, but somehow, yeah, I don't know. She does come off better in this book. Yeah. Yeah. And there is She's that. getting there. She's still not my favorite. She's getting there. Yeah, she's, yeah. Youths. Yeah, youth. Don't talk to me about youth. Tomorrow I give up my youth. There's swearing in this book, speaking of which. That's why we're swearing in this podcast, because Ian says, God damn. He says, God damn it. On page 46, which just, just, the swearing shocked the fuck out of me. (laughs) To put it bluntly, it was just amazing. I'll probably bleep that in the... Yeah, because I can just see iTunes rejecting it for that. Yeah, goddamn it! Why don't you? Why won't you speak? And I know that it's not that goddamn has a lesser feel to it in British English, like the c word. Yeah, that's just it for the for the British. Bloody is really kind of a swear, but it's more like damn. Whereas the c word, which we think of as the worst word you can say. Yeah. The... Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> they they just throw it around as if oh yeah 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 ass. They well, look. and it's not spelled correctly anyway, so it's not even. It's not spelled correctly, so it's probably. I think that's how they g'dam. get around it. It's g'dam. 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 it. Yeah, I could just see a science teacher saying that. G'dam it. Why won't you speak? But yeah, that's in this book, and this is years before the controversy. Well, it's a few years away from. The former producer of Doctor Who, Barry Letts, actually wrote a couple of radio plays in the 90s, and he adapted them. Mm-hmm. He does let the Doctor say damn in Paradise of Death, which I think is the first time the Doctor ever does it. But it's the John Pertwee Doctor, and you expect him to swear. And then you get the word cow shit <laughs> in Ghosts of Endspace. I can't even explain the context there. 
<laughs> Ghosts of End Space has the word cow shit in it. It's and, literal. Yeah. Well, actually. Is yeah. it? <laughs> That's the sad part. It actually is. And there was a controversy over that. And then you get the book Transit. And then you cut to 2017 and none of it matters anymore. Well, it still does because the BBC books don't allow the swearing. No? No. Still? No. Well, but it's for the, children, right? The Virgin books in the 90s did. The mm. fourth, fifth, I can't remember which novel it was, but the book Transit used the F word for the first time. Oh. And they had to change it to Cruck. 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 So, crucking this, crucking that. It's just like, you know, Battlestar Galactica fragging this and fragging this. <laughs> oh. Was it fracking? Fracking. 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 So every time I see a news article on fracking, I just titter my little girlish head off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me put this aside and go through. Dalton, let me ask you a question directly. Mm -hmm. How does the prose in this book compare to Robinson's later prose in Edge of Destruction? Would you say that his writing is still crushingly bad prose, like that one guy on Goodreads said? Uh, I didn't feel like Edge of Destruction was crushingly bad either, so I don't know. Um, it feels it feels about the same. Okay. A lot of the descriptions, you know, Edge of Destruction reading about the ship and the spookiness and the eeriness and the that was familiar with the beginning of this book. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like the way he handled the rest of it is, yeah, it's pretty similar. It's, okay. It's not. It's not difficult to read. It's pretty. Much just laid out in front of you. It's this. This is what's happening, and okay. here's where everyone's going, and this is what's yada yada yada. Yeah. Okay. It's uh. It's yeah. All right. It's pretty good. Sheena, you've done something that Dalton has not done. What you've experienced the beautiful crystal clear prose of David Whitaker. Uh-huh. So in the Daleks book. Yeah. So you've read kind of the creme de la creme. Uh-huh. You haven't encountered Nigel Robinson's prose before. No. What do you think of him as a general writer? I, don't, I mean, I don't think he's a bad writer. I, I have nothing to base against, I guess, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. Um, we can base it against the other books, right? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, the story is very predictable. Um, the writing wasn't bad in the sense that, like, I wasn't lost anywhere or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward. Like... Um, nothing is, you know, where I'm like, oh, God, what? why is this... You know, where is this go? You know, not that where is this going, but like nothing is complicated to figure out. But I think it's the story Mm -hmm. that is just like, eh. So the reading was, I mean, this is the longest book I've read of them. Mm. And I read it the fastest. Really? Yeah. So. You did better than I did. There's something to say for that, I guess. I had to walk away from it. (laughs) I really did. I read it in like literally probably like three hours. Wow. I finished it all last night. Yeah. 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 I read it on the train. And I read half of it and it was like, I can't do this anymore. And I had to walk away for a week. Because I knew it was coming. I had just watched the TV version. I was like, oh my God, there's nothing new here. It It was very straightforward though. I mean, I can see this, him being more of... I don't know if I would say like a sci-fi writer, but maybe like somebody who writes manuals or something. I don't know. You know what he, I mean? Like, he writes quiz books. Yeah. So yeah. Like something, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Where you think, but you don't it's think. not hard. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Right. You know what I mean? Like a history book. Like you think about it, but you just keep reading mm-hmm. kind of type thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
This I mean, but like the it's like softball. Nothing, Here's the yeah, nice yeah. underhanded nothing pitch was right ha- in the middle for you to get everything yeah. I mean, and this definitely wasn't a story where like you had to worry about like really what any like all of the characters. None of them were described except for the sensorites, like the people in the spaceship. No one like I didn't know what John looked like. I had no idea what Carol looked like. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like none of these people, I had any sort of thought to anything they might look like. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess considering all of that, I guess he's a pretty good writer in the sense that I still was able to read the story and not, yeah. like, die. It's, it's, <laughs> more, it's, it's less about the characters and more about what's happening. Yeah, it's, so, it's less I don't about... know. I mean, you well, know what I mean? I have to admit, in praise of Robinson, <laughs> he's very good at giving his characters as much background as possible. Though There's that lengthy recap at the beginning, which is nice. Of um, in which the characters are talking about the previous episodes, but that's done in dialogue in the televised version. Yeah. He does it in prose, and it's really quite good. And he also makes that sense of menace work with that prologue of just the dead spaceship, which is again, yeah, that was yeah. probably pre- that was pretty cool. Yeah, and that makes you think yeah. you're getting a better story than you did. Yeah, which is the ultimate yeah. letdown. Yeah, the exactly. Bit. The beginning part's like, oh yeah, this, this ghost ship. Yeah, and then it's like. Burr. And even even up until they meet the sensorites, and even after they meet the sensorites, there's still this little yeah. bit of like, mm-hmm. yeah. what's gonna yeah. happen? And then you realize nothing's gonna happen. Nothing. Yeah, pretty much. The thing that I find is both in the televised version and in the book, as soon as the sensorites talk, menace is gone. Yeah. yeah. It's just like oh. the fact that you they're like mice. <laughs> Like, they're scared of everything. They yeah. are absolutely. I would just terrifying. keep screaming at them until yeah. they like gave me all their stuff. I would. <laughs> what little, little <laughs> like stuff they have to give? All the crystal light. All the <laughs> Give me all your crystal light. Give me all your. You could totally take over that planet. Like they didn't, they were so nice in this book. He also does Robinson a very nice bit of continuity, and it's not continuity that. I, I think was even it was in the original script because Maitland tells Ian and Barbara there hasn't been a London for over 400 years mm-hmm. just before telling them it's the 28th century that puts it right around the 22nd and in a few stories gentle listeners we're going to find out why there hasn't been a London since the 22nd century because the Dalek invasion of Earth is right around the corner and that was the 22nd century so it's like oh that works out nicely so think Daleks it was almost... made humans even worse oh yeah Oh, yeah, made putzes like Maitland and uh, what's her name? Carol. I can never remember her name. And no, I couldn't remember Maitland's she name. Is. She's yeah. pretty forgettable. Well, She's always just worried there. about John. Yeah. Yeah. John, John of the three of them is the most. I know. Yeah. I always refer to them as John and Marsha. It's like, <laughs> yeah, because she basically is yeah. Marsha. Yeah. But I do love the fact, for instance, that the doctor says he's not curious. I'm never curious. And Ian thinks that's like Attila the Hun saying he just wants to stay home and take care of the kids. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, it's like the whole your whole life is curiosity, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, what else? Um, that image of the sensorite floating outside the viewport and staring at them is just as scary on the page as it is on screen. It's just a shame that it falls apart. If it's examined too closely, because let's get back to the sensorites. How in that, how in the hell, do they exist in a vacuum without spacesuits? Why is it? Yeah, I guess. But how do they adapt that? Yeah, no, that makes no sense either. If their planet is like Earth, how could they be in space? Yeah, 
Yeah. Their planet is very Earth-like. They have an atmosphere. Yeah. They have those I mean, floppy water. feet. Maybe it's the feet. Um, I guess it's the feet, but it's never explained. <laughs> There's something in the feet. Yeah, that's where it is. I the was thinking, you know, you know, and when I first heard about the feet, I was like, oh, maybe it's because like they're planets made out of metal, and so that you can't hear yeah. them walking. Yeah. But no. But no. That would mean that they're trying to slip away from something. And then they said they were fast, but how is that fast, having disc feet? I know, the flop, 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 flop. Yeah. And yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> well, and watching, watching the episode, they don't seem fast at all. They're very slow. Everything about it is very slow. They're trying not, not to trip over those damn feet. Yeah. Yeah. But it crazy that he sets up this whole you know atmosphere of the ship and the worry and mm-hmm. and then you have these menacing creatures that walk plodding <laughs> down the yeah. hallway yes and, and that you works. don't ever have to run you don't ever have to do anything it's like well, yeah why are just you like, so boop, boop, boop. i just like thought of them being like boop, 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 like and then also, like... Yeah, they probably are. They never show it because they couldn't do it in those costumes. Barbara and Susan defy them just by saying, we defy you. With oh, their yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Like, yeah. that immediately... Whereas, like, in other episodes and other parts of the series, I've seen, like, they, they take this idea of a slow enemy and turn it on its head yes. with the angels. And it it's it fun works. and it's good. And it's like, uh-huh, yeah. But this, it's just like, if, if you don't walk fast and I can make you stop doing whatever you do by yeah. talking loud or turning off the lights. You deserve it. Or just by thinking, I defy oh, you. wow. That immediately is just like, yeah. you're as like those as earth people, as I am, like those earth, I'm coming around like, to disliking it as much as like, you dislike it. The um, earth people on the ship, though, like, how stupid are they? Very. Well, how do you mean? I mean, they're just dumb, because how did you not figure this out? Yeah. You've got people from, like, the tw- the 21st century figure this shit out. You know, know what I mean? Well, they like, got Barbara. They got Barbara. Still, though, like... She's a pretty tough cookie. Yeah, she <laughs> is. I'm just saying, like... For the longest time, I thought that when Barbara and Susan... It's like the 28th Susan, century, and you're yeah, not, like... they should be a little more super smart than this, but right. no. you would Have think. you not experienced any other... Any other yeah. alien life forms yeah. before? No. But they did. they have. They've been invaded by alien life I know. Forms. That's why I'm saying. Like, why Maybe that's why they're of, super scared, though. Why are you afraid of these eyelidless, uh, weird old man? <laughs> uh, f- <laughs> like, yeah. there's nothing about them that they should be afraid of. Yeah, no. Well, admittedly, there is a nice touch in Chapter 2 that uh, even, even the humans get a little crazy at times. Because uh, when they're trying to get away from Susan... Uh, <laughs> Of course they're trying to get away from Susan. When they're trying to get away from John, Barbara and Susan are trying to pull a door open, but it opens outwards. Yeah. And Nigel Robinson just kind of puts that in, which they didn't realize opened outwards. And it's like, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Why don't we have more of that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah. But because instead, that's, a, that's an actual mistake someone would make when they're running away from someone. Yes. And it makes sense. Especially yeah. if you're kind of freaked out by some, you know, floppy-footed freak that made all these yeah. people crazy yes you would think they're a lot more that they're trouble. more powerful yeah they for should sure. be they absolutely should be more powerful if they're able to just kind of turn people's minds off into mush i was gonna yeah. say oh and then they have like they have like stuff to do that with yeah they they totally have the power to be these largely dangerous mm-hmm. alien race they could completely destroy Lots of things, but yes. they don't. 
because of her eyeballs. And, <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's yeah, it just yeah, that, like, it's just like they can't hear screaming or no. They evolved all of these fantastic things, but they also evolved all of these. Yeah. Well, kind of... admittedly, I know I'm I shouldn't be using a later story to comment on this one, but given that Cheater. the I know, <laughs> but given that the new series establishes that the Sun Sphere is in the same solar system as the Ood Sphere. Yeah. It makes sense because the Ood also go down that weird kind of evolutionary path. They're holding their hind brains in their hands. They're born that way. It's like, why would anyone evolve that way? That's dumb. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> but That's why Ood, I don't really like the, the We evolved to carry our brains in our hand. Like, yeah. could you not have made something else? I but guess. the Ood, too, are, at first, they seem menacing, and they seem very they much like, oh my god, what are these creepy things? But, but then they they're just, like, are. hit their hand. In ways. Yes, <laughs> in hit ways. Hit their hand? Yeah, well, yeah, but, well, it doesn't stay, because oh. they actually, um, I almost said castrate them. They don't castrate them, they lobotomize. lobotomize them, because they cut that off, and they put a translator sphere on it to, uh, to enslave them. Okay. Yeah. Now that kind of works, except how did they evolve that way to begin with? They're like, oh, no need no, for craniums. Yeah. Yeah. No need. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is, yeah. God, it just, that whole solar system just makes yeah. no sense yeah. at all. And thank you, Russell T. Davis, for making it make even less so. Yeah. And why would the Sensorites want John to frighten them? Why don't they just come on the ship and frighten them themselves? It's just. Because there's. Yeah. Yeah. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like. There's so little to work with in the script that Nigel Robinson, when he does expand, he expands on the characters. He can't expand on the Sensorites or doesn't. Yeah. Mainly because I'm, I think he's looking at it and saying, this doesn't make sense to me either. How am I going to explain this? And it's better, if you're a writer, to either go for the craziest explanation possible and hope to God the readers don't question it too much. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work sometimes. Yeah. You can get away which with a lot. Which we're not going to do. Yeah, which we're not going to do. I yeah. mean, we always well, question we, everything. <laughs> exactly. We're, we question everything. Or just not do it at all. Past, path of least resistance. And on top of it all, he's got, what, 150 pages to fill? Yeah. He can't fill it with too much expansion. Though, you gotta use some. Yeah. I, guess, I don't know. Maybe, but you know what though? If it was too long winded, I probably that was what was good about it though. It was over but, fast. Yeah. One thing I do notice about Robinson, he sure loves his rhetorical question stingers, doesn't he? As in, would they ever find out the secret of the deadly nightshade? <laughs> hmm? It's like, oh my god. It's like having... I don't know. Problem. How many chapters are left in the book? <laughs> Quite a few, apparently. Then I think they will find out. Yeah, and the Sensorites themselves don't actually... Their motivations don't make any sense. They threatened them all with death if Susan didn't come with them, and then they said, oh, we don't wish you any harm. It's like, you just threatened us all with death, dude. Yeah. If Susan doesn't come, I mean, Susan's like, a hot piece there, them? but <laughs> she's not a hot piece at all. How are you going to kill them either? They're playing like, mind games, but yeah. it's... That's, that, it. that's, that's the only sort of games they know how to play. Yeah. Telepathic race. They yeah. probably can't tell each other apart well enough to play a normal game. Yeah, that's the dumb part, too. Yeah, no names. They no don't names. have names. Yeah. They have family And how groups. do they breed? That's, yes. They have family groups, but nowhere in this book do they talk about Female sensorites. Nope. No. We don't see any in the um, the thing, in the uh, televised version. Well, do females look different than males? I, oh, 
Oh. How would you even know he were doing it? Oh my god, it's like Terry Pratchett and the dwarves, that they all have beards, which can lead to some very uh, embarrassing moments when they decide to have uh, marital relations. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's it's hilarious, but it doesn't work in a serious piece of science fiction. Well, that's just it. We get into the question of whether or not Doctor Who is a serious piece of science fiction at this point. This story is trying to be. Doctor Who seems to fluctuate sometimes it's very serious and sometimes it's very much just nonsensical fun yes and that mm-hmm. you know depending on the type of person you are sometimes it makes you mad and sometimes well, I mean, it's fun to be fun but this wasn't that fun no that's true speaking of fun we've got a we've got a viewer hello <laughs> hi how are you hi. yes we see you watching us we know you're watching um well yeah i still wonder how does the lower cast function they just work and play. That's they the one. They didn't say anything they about work working, were they? Yeah, they do. But they just said they just play, I thought. Oh, but the, like, what the, kind of working do they do? What's the actual line? Because it's a direct line from the, hello, Liz McClelland. Yes, we actually what have up? a line. What up, Liz? Hello. Um, there's, there is a line about, well, our cast system works quite well because... The lower casts work and play, and we do all the other stuff. And, yeah. Oh, gosh, where is it? I know it's in Chapter 6. This was where it took me a week to get back to this book. Because I was like, ah, oh, no, this is where it just stops being interesting to me. Oh, Ian has his coughing fit. It's before that. Uh, the Disintegrator... <laughs> Yeah, and the administrator threatening them with set a disintegrator, which for some reason they have. The one thing that Nigel Robinson does add in here is that they had some sort of warlike period. It's like, well, it can't be like the Klingons. No. 67 on the PDF. 67 so. on the PDF. What's the the first line of the uh, paragraph? Because um, we're in different versions, unfortunately. There's, uh, Earth people are not popular he agreed they fear that you may bring disease and death to our people we must explain to them that this disease if that's what ah, it, is, it is is nobody's fault yeah um and then later down it says they say you can't earth talk to the lower caste and then aren't like, lower caste what earth people aren't popular sorry <laughs> i was having a moment Yes, there it is. All are happy, but some are happier than others, finished Ian. Yeah, there it is. The elders think and rule. The warriors fight. They have warriors. What the hell are these warriors warring against these days? Earth, well, Earth people, probably. While the, uh, and the sensorites work and play. All the rest of the sensorites. But also, like, how are they warring if the, the yeah. slightest bit of loud noise yeah. keeps them from doing anything? It's a very quiet war. And who are they warring yes. against? It's a very silent well, they're war. they're using those guns so, they've It's had. a silent but deadly war. Yeah. Yeah. SBD. Which it can't be because they don't have noses. SBD. <laughs> w. I'm sorry. The older I get, the more I like dad jokes. I can't help it. Dad jokes. Oh, we lost our viewers with that one. Goodbye. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff is just, just crazy, really. Um, Let me, since... Oh, we paused on this again. I think we're losing connections with happening. Maybe the... um. Resume. There we go. Maybe it's because it's on so long, probably. I think that's it. And we do have somebody. Sorry about that, guys. I don't know what the uh, broadcasting is doing, but it may be that the phone is... uh, The phone that we're broadcasting this on is probably having difficulty keeping up with uh, the huge amount of traffic we have of viewers. 
Yeah, I'm sure that's it. The differences <laughs> between the Sense Sphere and Marinus are just staggering. Not only do they all look the same, they have one city. And it's named The City. Because they don't have a name for that either. I just don't get this society at all. Uh, what do you... What, you just said the... What, the last one we read? Marinus. Marinus. Marinus was awesome. Then. Marinus was awesome compared to this. It had and lakes of acid and stuff. Yeah. I mean, come on. And as I say in my notes... It was more science fiction. For that for matter, sure. how do they procreate if they can't t- tell each other apart? Oh, sorry about the ad- accidental sodomy, sir. I thought you were my <laughs> wife. Maybe yeah, they have both portholes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of silent and deadly... <laughs> These are all questions that Robinson could answer, and he doesn't. And it kind of drives me yeah. crazy when a novelization does that, because yeah. you read Whitaker doing Daleks. Yeah. And he went into such detail, like the shower machine, the yeah. shaving machine, all that other stuff. Yeah. Everything was very, yeah. Yeah, he explained. And that. it was in less pages. Yeah, and much less pages. Yeah. Well, not much less, but it was still, you know, Yeah, I mean, the same. it was around the same. Yeah. And Edge of Destruction, because he was expanding a two-parter we got to see more of the TARDIS yeah, yeah. it was yeah. lovely it was absolutely lovely and here the most he adds is that Ian vomits which is what the salt water's for yeah and I didn't realize that until I actually read the book and I was like of course does that it's even work oh well, yeah. yeah it does but our phone does not yeah <laughs> we do, the, do us a favor yeah yeah, oh. um, yeah if you it's a purgative Hi. if you like a tablespoonful of salt and drink much water. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's just like drinking Pepsi and milk mixed Ew. together. Ew. That will make you puke like a mofo. Never heard of that one. Yeah, it's really nasty. Ah, <sighs> Believe it or not, the link between the water and the illness is revealed just as ham-fistedly in the televised version. No suspense at all. That's the problem with this book. There's no suspense. No. There really isn't. No. And wow. it doesn't make much of a distinction between evil and hostile, does it? Because John keeps saying, I sense evil. It's like, no, <laughs> you sense ambition. Yeah. It's not even blonde ambition. It's just <laughs> ambition. Yeah, you knew I was going to go there, right? Oh, sorry. She's been long dead. Yeah. As far as you know. <laughs> it could be a Futurama kind of uh, thing where she has her head frozen. Yeah, I had, yeah. And she's still monsters of the caves indeed. Good God. Um... I will say this, though. The doctor acts far more doctorish here. Yeah, the doctor's dope in this book. Yeah, he really is. Why would you say so? Um, the doctor is super on it. Um, he is... I, I mean, like... I think in this book, he's the most doctor that I've... Could, like, when I think of the doctor, mm-hmm. I think of this guy. He's, like, making up maps. He's going in places... He's um, flying a spaceship. Figuring, yeah, he's figuring out like recipes to fix diseases. Um, he's caring for his niece mm-hmm. and going through that. So he's like, he's multitasking. Oh yeah, he's totally multitasking. Well, and like he has it all figured out before. He's definitely yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, got yeah. it. Like even when they're still trying to make the reader aware that there are things down in the aqueduct, the doctor's just like. Uh, we'll be fine yeah we'll be okay i'm not worried about whatever is down there (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. because even even though they don't really say it it's like the doctor's already aware yeah the doctor already knows what's going on it's like he's done this absolutely already knows yeah already knows like these are the humans and i'm gonna go down and i will talk to them yeah and they'll act either 
like they like me or they don't like me. Maybe, I can maybe either get them to the, do what I want or not. Maybe way. in this book, the doctor's, it's predictable to the doctor even what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's Maybe that's, that's, that's the of, whole oh, that's thing about the book is that like, no, is that like the doctor finds it incredibly predictable and it is. <laughs> and that's the whole book. Because he knows everything that's going on. Like, he knows it's something to do with something he... When when Ian gets sick, he knows immediately that it's the oh water. Oh, my God. It's when, totally diegetic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, when he gets down in the caves, he's like, I know this has to be human. Like, he knew. This is true. And the second doctor will do that occasionally and say, oh, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. And his companions will say, well, why did you let it happen? He's yeah. like, well, I wanted to find Just to out see if what it happens. would play out. Yeah. 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 And that, it's kind of what he's doing. The ninth yeah. doctor. Well, I was going to say, I feel like there were instances where the doctor feels like he knows what's going to happen and it doesn't go the way he wants it to. Yes. And that ends up biting him in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And in the next story, that's really going to happen a lot. So it goes both ways. Sometimes he knows and he just has to let it play through to make sure that, yes, okay, I was following yes. sense. And sometimes it's like he's on the wrong path. And The interesting thing, too, is that when he goes down into the caves and he is doing that whole kind of, oh... I think it's a recording or something like that. And he's like, hmm, this is getting curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> it's almost as if you hear the ninth doctor saying, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You can tell that it's like he's just loving trouble. Oh, yes. He's absolutely loving it. But then he gets attacked. And he says something hits, something hit me under the heart. Singular. Which is that fan theory, that old fan theory that Time Lords only have one heart until they regenerate for the first time. Which the next book is going to flip (laughs) and give him all of his Time Lord physiology. And you're like, okay, he suddenly has two hearts gone. But yeah, it's just so strange reading these in story order. It really is. And we... (sighs) Yeah, I see. Oh, no. And I, we see the all caps. I see the all caps on my uh, thing here. And it says, how, and I'm going to swear here, dear listeners, how in the fuck does someone listen in on a mental conversation? Yeah. They treat telepathy as if it's radio in this book. And well, in the televised story, and Nigel Robinson doesn't go really out of his way to explain how that works. So I think that might be the problem. And bless his little heart, there are typos all throughout this book. It's just ridiculous. Oh, there is a reference to Marinus on page 103. I forgot all about that. A little continuity never hurt anybody. Unfortunately, it produces such a momentary thrill. Hello. (laughs) I see two people. Two people. Oh, and we lost one. One person. If you're there, say hello. There's like, there's no nudity in this. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) I haven't gotten to the second beer yet. Um, You know, there's a surefire way to ruin an evening of a rag dipped in chloroform or whatever the sensorite equivalent is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've got lots of notes. So we should ask y'all some of the questions I've been asking you to come up with. Your favorite moment in the book, if you had one. Um, I don't have mine. Is that the same question as you're gonna ask? Like, what's our worst and favorite part? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, my favorite part of the book is actually a part with um 
it's a thought kind of that the doctor has um and it has to do with like the whole situation of I guess what's going on in general mm-hmm. like with the doctor and it was it says as as they walked away the doctor smiled inwardly to himself there were those who said that he shouldn't meddle in the affairs of others and he shouldn't become involved at times he might be inclined to agree with them but when his presence could generate such noble ideas in people teach them the meaning of compassion and understanding well then perhaps this aimless wandering of his might be of some secret purpose after all. That's at the end of the book, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that thought is like, I think what... That thought, I think, is like the encapsulation mm-hmm. of probably what this whole thing is about. Right. So, to me, that was probably like my best line. Okay. That's <laughs> what I would say. But, um, as for action-wise, I guess... <laughs> um, like my not my favorite part but like my favorite thing is like when when like Barbara comes down from the spaceship and it's like yeah this is going on and this is going on and this is going on and like you know like this is the deal like she should have been there the whole time Mm -hmm. you know she was like doctor number two she's just up on the spaceship just like Figuring like everything yeah. out, yeah. calculating. Yeah. Like, hmm. I yeah. tell you, that Buffon is her brain. Yeah. It's coming out of her skull. But that was like my favorite, like favorite character of this book was the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Favorite thing that happened was her just coming down like, <laughs> and getting it. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. So, and it's interesting that you say that about that moment because if you really think about it. What noble thoughts have his actions really inspired at all? Apart from the censorites kind of thinking, oh, these humans don't suck as much as we thought after all. And that was only a couple of them, too, that thought that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of the books that we've read. Yeah, 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 for sure. But, like, I mean, he came up with, like, I mean, he did kind of, like, change the whole concept for the whole race of aliens about humans, even though in the book... Mm -hmm. Susan <clears throat> says we're not human. Yeah. We're from another planet. Right. So in all actuality, you can trust us, but I I mean, those censorites should probably not trust any more freaking humans. No. And especially at the end of the book when it like leads to the fact of like, okay, if they go back, like we did all this stuff, hmm. what and if they just say like, yeah, we still want the shit. Yeah, we still. We already and we they know like, everything about how to get rid of them too now. Like yeah. before, they were mentally incapacitated. Right. Yeah. I think they should have just made them stay there. Who? I think they should have. I think the censorship should have made them Earth people stay there. Oh, they would have been yeah. fine. They probably would have. They, they could have just would've. had a freaking threesome. Right. Like you can't go back to Earth, <laughs> but we, we will let you stay on our planet. And, like we won't. Keep no, seriously, I would. Oh, wow. I would have made them stay there, and I've been like, you know what? Oh. You got one Earth woman to deal with. Give your go. Yeah, but okay. you haven't seen Maitland. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have not let them go back to Earth. Like, okay, in the I TARDIS, I would have let them go because they're not going to stay there. They're from another... They explained everything to them, like, what they're doing. Right. But the Earth people, like, forget that. I ain't letting you back knowing that if I scream at you, you scream at me, I'm you're going to take my whole planet. Yeah. With, like, a loudspeaker? No. And they probably would do that, too. Yeah. Because it's just one group of humans. It's humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite moment is another, it's a Barbara moment, and it actually comes from the beginning of the book, um, 
whenever they first land or they first are aware that they are somewhere and they're about to exit the TARDIS to go out of the, the ship and Ian's like, Doctor, have you checked everything out? And he's like, yeah, everything's good. The atmosphere's, it's, it's all there, breathable air. And Susan's like, or not Susan, Barbara's like, so the only thing we have to fear is the unknown. <laughs> so she's pretty much yeah, saying like, so the only thing we have to fear is everything in the yeah. universe, yeah, except, for except the we know we can breathe. And then she says, as usual. Yeah. yeah. yeah as so usual. Yeah. I just love that bit of snark just yeah. from the get go. Barbara's oh, already God. just like, oh, she's marvelous. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but everything else is going to be a problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though it really wasn't. She is really brilliant. The few yeah. times, the little bit she gets in this book. One of my favorite moments, not my favorite, because I think you two nap those. But um, when Ian and the Doctor go down into the caves, and the Doctor says, "Yeah, it's the astronauts from the ship, my boy," and the the exchange is this. But what are they doing down here? Asked Ian. Why, hiding and poisoning the water, of course, the doctor explained patiently, as though he were dressing a rather dull but witless child. And it's like, oh, bless. He's being such an asshole there. But, I mean... Yeah. Well, Ian's yeah. being a little Ian's dense. being a little dense. Yeah. Like, well, he has been sick. True. You know, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> he has been sick. He's, he's had deadly nightshade poisoning. Of course he's yes. a little witless. How did they come up with a potion to like make them better, too, if they had no chemistry? Well, they. they I think the idea is that they had no deep concept of chemistry, not to the same degree. But how would you do. interact deadly nightshade, though, in all actuality? With the doctor's special powers. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, scientifically, even, like, now, if you were to be poisoned, would be like, you would die. He is a plus ten in chemistry, yeah. <laughs> plus ten. He, he rolled an eight-sided die, and he yeah. got that ability. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And this is something that really bothers me about this book, that Nigel Robinson could yeah. add Because they had, like, to. no explanation for that at all. And yet, that's the addition. Yeah. Because it's not actually said on screen that they have no idea of chemistry. Yeah. So it's like, uh... I just don't know how you would come up with something that quickly. Nor do I. Without having any sort of chemicals or... No, because they don't let them back into the TARDIS, so the doctor's got to make it all up as he goes. Well, they explain that they have scientific instruments. They have everything there. They just don't... But, like, but what? Yeah. I mean, you don't know chemistry, but you can know botany. Yeah, You can true. know the way plants... Well, if that's the case, they plants. would know it was atropine poisoning, wouldn't they? Not because necessarily. The they might... just know they're drinking water and getting sick. They, don't they know, didn't even they know, know that, that, though. Well, they don't put that together, but... Which means they don't even have chemistry. They don't really have medicine. Yeah. In the same way that humanity yeah. does, which is yeah. just the dumbest damn yeah, thing. Is. Which is, again, is more questions about why is this race even <laughs> existing the way How did Maybe they get they deserve there? what the humans are going to bring them. You know, I think their warlike period was against the Ood. Because if you can imagine the Sensorites and the Ood fighting the other, it's like, yeah, One that would be just like and not and no one going anywhere. Just slap fights. Right, with with their brains. <laughs> foam, foam baseball bats. Oh my god, that makes all the sense in the world because if you think about it, oh my god, I just thought of it. The Sensorites have this limited technolo- uh, technological, uh, telepathic power and the Ood are fairly telepathic but they have their hybr- hybr- hindbrain in their hand. 
So, of course, that would be the way that you would fight each other. It wouldn't be physical fights at all. Hmm. I know. That doesn't make any sense. Still. Makes sense. No, it makes sense. Yeah, but it's still stupid. Well, <laughs> the story's but stupid. The story has its problems. There's lots of holes, yeah. and we're just yeah. trying to fill the holes. Fill the holes. Knowledge. Sorry about the accidental sodomy, sir. I thought you were my wife. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Sensorites and the Ood share this much in common. They're somehow incredibly willing to give the Doctor credit for teaching them something or saving them when he hasn't really done a damn thing. Apart from finding the cause of the disease. When when the Ood call him the Dr. Donna, they haven't actually done anything at all. In that later story, they're just there to witness it. Somehow. It's kind of the stupidest thing. Hmm. Um, Robinson does change the end of the story, which I like. In the televised version, the Doctor takes such umbrage at what Ian says about his piloting skills that he threatens to put them off the ship at the very next opportunity. And that's how the story ends. He's plotting a course to put Ian and Barbara off the ship. And that's how Reign of Terror opens. Really? Hmm. Yeah, and it almost happens here. why is here. that? Um, because the Doctor is mercurial and an asshole, as we knew. Uh-huh. This Doctor, anyway. Well, yeah. all Doctors, really. But if you look at the end... He does say something. Oh, I was going to leave you if you didn't hurry up. No, no. At least he knows where he's going, joked Ian, and looked up at the image of the departing spaceship on the screen. The doctor caught the veiled criticism in Ian's quip and darted him a look which would have frozen a supernova. Oh, yeah. Resolving to teach that impertinent young man a lesson one day soon, he rejoined the others. He doesn't say it. He doesn't threaten. But when the next book opens, you'll find that, oh, he's decided, because that's exactly the way it opens, with yeah. him saying, well, we've landed. Are you two still here? All right, bye. Don't <laughs> let the door hit you in the ass. Is that also because of Susan, though, you think? Uh, because she's, like, having all these different feelings and stuff like that, and maybe feels like they're... It makes more sense for Robinson's ending. For the doctor to say, you know, I don't like that, but I'm going to let it pass right now because these are friends of my granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Except in the next book, you're going to find him referring to finding his granddaughter and her friends over and over again. Really? And it's like, her friends. friends. It's like, how much have they helped you, though? Yeah, well, this is very much the doctor. Oh, did it froze? It froze. It froze. Oh, well. Yeah. There, oh, we go. there we, there we go. go. My bad. Yeah. How much have they helped him? And it's like they know. have though. Yeah. They. Well, no. I know. I agree. I completely agree with you that it should have. You know. Like if they were just going around like by themselves, he wouldn't be able to get out and like do all this stuff. No, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree. yeah. What was he doing in like 1960s England? He was like Trying in to a freaking television. yeah. He was in a freaking junkyard chilling having his daughter having his granddaughter go to school like yeah, that's doing true. anything they have the added life. to his life i mean that was a normal life though yeah, but he's a he's life. a wanderer so i mean well or does he not want to wander? it depends on later continuity because if you check later continuity he's on the run from his own people yeah but we don't know that yet yeah we just know that he can't go back because of the unearthly child. He yeah. says that we well, can't. Well, because he stole the what's it called, right? He stole the TARDIS. An well, old ass, an it, old ass TARDIS. Too. Well, and as yeah. Ian and Barbara keep saying, it doesn't seem like he knows how to use the TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. 
So even if he wanted to go back to Gallifrey, he may not necessarily be able to get back there. That's true. That's true. Something you said, Dalton, when we were watching it, you said it seems like this is very much a story about colonization and, you know, um, imperialism. Yeah, some of the feelings I was getting initially were um, the the sense rights felt very much like Native Americans and the humans felt very much like... Mm -hmm. Uh, they bring that up in the colonists. book too, though. They do. Robinson brings it up he in the epilogue. He brings it up later. Yeah. At the very end. At the yeah. end, and I, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't read it at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was surprised by that too because it's not really unpacked in the book. And that's a pretty good thought for the '60s. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's not all that. And from the British. Yeah, it's not all that exciting in 1987, though. No. I mean, that's when the British are finally looking back at their past and saying, "Oh, we shouldn't have done Who that." Who are we to? say anything yeah <laughs> it's also a bit heavy-handed but it's very fitting that barbara gets the last word in the book i love that but i do love that he loves her enough that he gives her the last word and that's pretty nice all right as we always do unless you have anything else to say about the book i'm good nothing yeah nothing really nothing i've out. already said <laughs> okay I mean, that's very final. No, no, no. I no. I, I I get it. Believe me, you heard what I said. You've got a lot of you've got a lot of what's it called emotion out of me on this one. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was not, I was glad to see that. Hopefully, next time it'll be I the mean, same way. I mean, For emotion in general. He was fully expecting me to come into this and be his uh, yeah his foil, and it's like no, I agree with you. On that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 It's not the greatest book we've read so far. As we always do, let's go to goodreads.com for online reviews of the book written by other readers, then follow up with our own ratings. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and want to have your review featured when we get to an upcoming book, simply read the book, write a review on Goodreads, and then write a comment on our Facebook page or on our brand new subreddit. Subreddit. We have a subreddit. Oh shit. We're gonna get trolled like a mother. R slash. We're gonna get trolled like a bitch. It hasn't happened yet. I've already been told I have a big nose on Reddit. Have you? Yeah. Uh, In in relation to this, I was about to say, this hasn't even gone out yet. Uh, You can't see it there. I mean, you can see mine. But, um. (laughs) No, what's that? Very put on. No, not really. Of course, the the podcast listeners are. I have the worst, like, breathing ever. Of course, the podcast listeners are like, the hell? (laughs) Subreddit. (laughs) (laughs) If you put a comment on Facebook or on our subreddit, you may just get your comment read here. All right. The average rating, and I see we do have someone, hello, and they're gone. (laughs) The average rating for the story out of five stars is 3.33. So this is hitting about where every other book we've read. Yeah, Yeah. which is kind of... Well, that's yeah. it's, it's kind of, to be expected. I've noticed you? that about Goodreads. It's very much like IMDb. Everything averages about a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's just really awful, like the worst movie in the world is a two out of ten. And the best movies rarely hit above 9.1. But a seven, yeah. Goodreads, same thing. This one's a little lower. A little lower. Actually, it's a little higher. It's a little higher, because which makes sense because they're reading the book and they're not seeing the televised version. That's true. Here are some sample reviews. Braden Raymond gave this one four stars. And he says, now this is a class story. (laughs) Both in the sense of sci-fi, but also in the sense of Doctor Who. The first Doctor here is a Mervilous hero. Mervilous? Mervilous. 
that's the actual spelling. Marvelous hero. That's why he gave it a four. Yeah, to which I have been informed is very unlike him up to this point. Kind of a turning point for him. That's true. This is a turning point for the Doctor. This is more Doctorish than we've seen him. Yeah. Although many parts were predictable. Huh? That's what made it so classic and great for me. So see, Sheena, it's classic and great because yeah. it's predictable. Okay. Familiarity. Yeah. Breeds contempt. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why yeah. my, my open brain... Your open brain. <laughs> your hind brain in your hand. It's yeah. like, don't Because I, I have nothing to go against, so I'm like a pure vessel. Oh, well, that's true. In the, in the Doctor Who sense. In the Doctor Who sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's take ourselves out of that yeah. hole now. The monosyllabically named Angela, the Angela, gave it one star. The Sensorites is a rather old Doctor Who novel. 1987 is rather old for you, dear. And unlike all the other Doctor Who novels I've read so far this year, it's actually just a novelization of an actual episode. Oh, that's why she thinks it's old. Uh. The good news is, at 143 pages, it's a very light read. The bad news is, at 143 pages, it's a very light read. Too light a read, in fact. More than once I found the author offhandedly summarizing something such as Barbara persuaded John to do this, or the doctor argued the sensorite elders into doing that in a sentence or two rather than actually spelling that out in dialogue. That's what I accused Lucarati of doing. I didn't really find that with Robinson. Classic violation of show, don't tell this. The same thing happened fairly often in parts where we're just told that Susan trusted the doctor implicitly or some such. So yeah... I've actually seen at least part of the episode this book was novelizing, and the actual episode is a much more interesting implementation of the story. Really? Yeah. The book, skippable. One and a half stars. Oh, she didn't even give it one star. She gave it one and a half. Daniel Daniel Kukwa also gave it four stars and said, now this is everything the novelization of an unearthly child isn't. Mm-hmm. An underrated first season story beautifully fleshed out by Nigel Robinson. The characters, even minor ones, are given their chance to shine. The settings from the claustrophobic spaceship to the gloriously light scent sphere are brought to vivid life. The novel concludes with wishful thoughts from Barbara about the future of human nature, a fine conclusion to a very fine novelization. I'd read The Unearthly Child again if I had to. Compared comparison. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't a bad book at all, I didn't think. How many stars out of five would you give this? 3.1. Really? I would go exactly with, yeah, or maybe like a 2.9 or something. Okay, why? Um, extremely predictable. Only person who shines is the doctor. Maybe that's why. And Barbara. And Barbara. Maybe that's She wasn't for, even there for half Yeah, and she was there for the first, like, vacation. 15 pages and the last, like, 10. Yeah. Um, it was just, I, I, I mean, it was okay, but it, it wasn't interesting, really. Okay. That's fair enough. Death to keep it easy going, because that's how the book was. Okay. And like I said, it was an easy read. I wouldn't have this be my first book to read, because if it was, I would have been, like, Yeah. I would be, like... Why am I reading Doctor Who books? Yeah, yeah. I've worried about that. If ever, but, um, if ever one of you decides to take a vacation, don't start on Sensorite. <laughs> if you've never read a book, yeah, probably a bad idea. Yeah. How about you, Dalton? Uh, I yeah, probably two point five, like right down the middle. Uh, not the worst thing I've ever read. Not the best thing I've ever read. Um, 
I'm usually a little easier on these things because they're they are more of like youth novels. They're pulp novels. They're a little dumbed down for people who aren't familiar. They're a little just except for goddamn. Well, yeah, goddamn. God but God um, damn. yeah, it it's just kind of middle of the road. Just like do 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 doing my thing. Here's this story. Um, it could have. I feel like it started off in a good direction. There was some suspense. There was no. some genuine like worry about what was going to happen to the doctor and the companions, and it, it just turned out to be nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. And also, you had watched the first three episodes mm-hmm. before doing the book. Yeah. And you probably found yourself thinking, "Oh my god, I wonder what is going to happen next." And the book let that down a bit. Yeah, it it let it it let it down a bit. I, I know <coughs> whenever you and I watched those first three episodes you were like i'm sure you can figure out what happened by now and i was like well, i'm not quite sure oh. i i thought that it was like heavy metal poisoning i thought they kept talking about all these oh, metals they had yeah, yeah. and i was like maybe it's lead poisoning and they and I, could, I couldn't i wasn't sure if at that point they had said their knowledge of chemistry wasn't great right but i did i did think <laughs> yeah. like Maybe it's all the metal and all the stuff, yeah. resources they mm-hmm. have, and these aqueducts, they don't go down well, <coughs> they're not servicing the, them. So it's like... The it's like Flint, Michigan, but like... <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't have all Hometown the... Hometown represent! I didn't have I'm all the dots connected <laughs> yes. that, that these were the humans that were yeah. poisoning. With but I, but I did think that it was something that was an easy fix. Yeah. I totally uh. thought that whether it was heavy metal poisoning or something, that the doctor would be like, oh, it's this, and fix it. Yeah. And, he was like, yeah. "Oh, it's this." But it was it's it. just but something that was so dumb. It was yeah, it was. Oh, there are these humans that we've talked about that you thought were dead, right? But no, they've been hiding, <laughs> under, they've been hiding underground. And then for they like exploded their own ship, though, too. Like, yeah. how dumb was that? Right. Yeah. They've been underground for thirteen months. No, that was longer than that. that was, was it the longer? First They've been in the came. ship for 13 yeah. months, I thought. They were on Those the ship for 13 months. Those are the people from before. The people from before have been there for years. Yeah, like oh. years. Yeah. See, I was getting confused with the timeline. People from before were there for like a while. I don't mm. know how long, but it the people leaves... on the ship were like 13 months or 8 months or something. See, and they... I, was, I was thinking that the people underground were the same people that were there from the people on the ship, and that's why I was like... Yeah. No. There are two different from the like, original yeah ship. from the original ship that yeah. they okay. that they thought they killed because they all put them on the ship. But what happened was they had just went down the docks and made the two other people say they're going yes. back to America, yeah. like to America or the United to States, America. wherever well, they defected. to the they Earth. Yeah, no, they were they were supposed to go back to the Earth, but then they blew up the ship. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. So to was the next with. group of people like a search party? They could have been, but we never get a sense yeah. of why they're there. Yeah. And See, it doesn't really matter. And that's matter. probably why I was confused. Yeah, and that's I'm sure why like... you were, yeah. Yeah, Maitland's ship is a different ship. Yeah. 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 See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either way. That's uh, it. 2.2. 2. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take it that off drops it down. Um, yeah, but, you know, middle of the road. Yeah. Not, not the worst thing I've ever read. It was it was easy to get through. It was I like some of the descriptions. Like yeah. I said, the beginning was effective with Yeah. The... It was effective to get you into the story for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, on the one hand, Robinson adds in some lovely character driven moments for the regulars. I love what he does with Barbara. Yeah. There are some good moments for Ian even and Susan even gets some stuff going. 
gives us some nice foreshadowing of things to come because you get the sense that Susan's not going to be around yes. for too much longer. And she's that going really, awry. She's going awry. And at that point, I don't think the actress had decided to leave the series yet. But, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and emphasizes the few positive points that the story has by making the first few chapters genuinely creepy. Yeah. Yeah, And sure. he gives Babs the last word, which I always love. On the other hand... He doesn't add much to the actual story of the sense rights themselves, probably because their society defies all sense of logic. It sure does. It's yeah. just a narrative uh, contrivance to get the story along. That's likely due to the material he has to work with, so thank you, Ghost of Peter R. Newman. There could have been more to do with that. And the fact that he's got to compress six episodes into 250 pages, rather than expanding two to fit the same length. Yeah. I really would have loved to see more additions. I would have loved him to talk more about what it must be like to be in a culture where you can't close your eyes and you see all the time. Yeah. What does that do to a culture I mean, you would think, though, that <clears throat> with that, they would like be visually different because they're yeah. always looking at each other. Yeah, but they're not. In fact, they've evolved to be all the same, and they don't even have individual names. But that names. makes, like... No sense. So sorry about the accident. Right, you, would you think, know what I mean. Like if all of, if everything was visual, yes. then you would want to look. To, I mean, I'm just talking from you experience. You would need something. And their their city is so dull. Yeah. I mean, on screen, but it's and also described as you know shining spires. But it they would have you would think they'd have this artistic culture that would be like crazy because they'd want to yeah, see. Yeah, because every they're always seeing. They can't shut their <clears throat> eyes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Someone sent me a photo. Uh-oh. What is viewers. that? I have no idea. What kind of photo <clears throat> is that? I, well, I'm sure it's not one of our uh-uh. viewers, so don't even think about it. Let's open it up. I thought, I'm still telling you what I thought about the book. Oh, oh, bite me. I'm still talking about what I thought about the book. <clears throat> this, was the fir- <clears throat> this was the first book I had to put down and go away from for a week. And I dreaded going back to it every single moment. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. I I didn't I didn't hate it because of Nigel Robinson. I didn't hate the book necessarily. I just despise the story. Yeah, the story's horrible. And it's going to be the same way when we get to Space Museum. And at least there, I can say, yeah, the writer wrote it. The original writer novelized it, so blame him. Yeah. Don't blame this poor dead guy who fell down the stairs and hit his head on a radiator. Because yeah, he did, I know because he didn't do it at, before he wrote the story. I gave this one 2.5 out of 5. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I thought you were looking over my shol- shoulder, so. Nope. <clears throat> yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Again for doing this and for uh, being Thanks here with our experiment. Danny. Oh, someone gave us a heart. It was Danny. It was Danny. Thank you, Danny. We miss you. You should come back and do one of these someday. Thanks, guys. And thank you, fellow time travelers, for giving us your valuable time. Next time we'll be reading Doctor Who, The Reign of Terror, written by the late but lovely Ian Martyr. It is a historical, but you will like it. Yes. Because I liked it and I hate historicals. Now you don't have to listen because you know what we thought. In the meantime, if you liked what you've heard here, like us on Facebook. If you add a comment on that page, 
If you think there's something we missed here or just something you want to tell us in your words, you'll be entered in our next Target book giveaway. Do it! Yes, Please this time, because it. you're not jerks. Hi, We've established it. you're not jerks. This time, some lucky fan <laughs> randomly picked by me will get a gently used copy of Doctor Who and the Tenth Planet because I'm still trying to give that crap away. Not this one. Not that the one. Tenth Planet. That's mine. Not you this don't one. Get it. it looks kind of like You, you will that? not get that. That's mine. <laughs> Oh. It's in the same kind of thing. You're ruining this for me. <laughs> Check out our Facebook page at Doctor Who Target Book Club Podcast, all one word with no spaces for more details. You can also visit our brand new subreddit at www.reddit.com forward slash r as in randy forward slash dwtargetbc. And if you leave a comment there, you're also eligible for the book giveaway. Also, feel free to give us a thumbs up on on YouTube because this video is going up on YouTube. God help us all. Follow us on Twitter. We're at DWTargetBC. Or subscribe to us via the podcast provider of your choice. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you really like us or if you really, really don't like us, post your comments, suggestions, questions, or any uh, on all of the above platforms. I know, Poppy. We're almost done. Or email us at DWTargetBC at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening Bye. and watching Thanks. and enjoy your travels. Bye-bye. Bye no, don't be sad, Oh, it's daddy. okay. We'll oh, be back. I'll be home soon. Some yeah, he's just he just wants me to bring him McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs>